This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. Today we have Aaron Lee, Solutions Partner at Leaderonomics, as we always do for the first Monday of the month. And today we're going to be talking all about the monkey mind. So Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. Now, why have we decided to talk about this topic? What on earth is the monkey mind? First of all, thanks for having me, Christine. It's a pleasure to be here. And um, second of all, so the monkey mind is something that I guess exists in everyone. And it's a part of our minds that has been with us since forever. And, um, it has a major influence on how we experience our lives, whether we thrive or whether we struggle. So I thought it was a pretty important topic. And um, I think I have some knowledge that might help people uh, be better and happier and calmer. Mm-hmm. Imagine, right, you have this life advisor that's supposed to help you um, keep alive and happy. Mm-hmm. And this is the monkey that uh, we're going to be talking about. This monkey advisor it sits on our shoulders every day and it processes information in the environment. It looks out for stuff like threats and rewards, right? And it brings our attention to areas where we should be focusing time and energy. So on a normal day, you'd hear the monkey mind say things like, this deadline is coming soon and you've not done this yet. Let's start to worry about it and do something about it. Mm-hmm. Or alternatively, you look at a fridge and it's empty and it will tell you, please note that the food is running low in the fridge. It's time to go grocery shopping. And if you don't do that, then you'll go hungry and something bad will happen. Right. So this monkey mind compels us to move in the direction of survival and happiness. Okay. But you can probably see how this can go wrong, right? Because in a modern environment, it's really easy for this advisor to become overloaded uh, simply because it's overwhelmed with responsibility. So say we have a part of our minds that's evolved over the years to keep us safe from predators in the jungle, right? But now we're out of the jungle and we're in a much more complex environment. So now this part of our mind uh, it has to worry about all sorts of other symbolic threats, which actually have nothing to do with our survival. Right? Um, and a perfect example would be uh, you text someone on WhatsApp or, and this person doesn't text you back. And it might feel a little bit annoying or offending to, to some people, but it's not really any mortal danger. It's more of like an offense to our sensibilities, right? Mm-hmm. But the monkey mind, before we tame it, it can tell us that this is just as important as everything else. Right. Um, I'm so curious to know, where exactly did this concept come from? Is this something that you discovered yourself or, you know, is this rooted uh, in some previous, you know, studies or, or knowledge that we know of? Well, I discovered, I definitely discovered it in myself, but I wasn't the first to come up with it. Mm-hmm. And the monkey mind is a concept that's been in Uh, It's existed for, I guess, thousands of years. It originated in, I believe, uh, Buddhism, if if I'm not mistaken. Um, But I I guess I really started to take interest after some of my experiences where I had a challenge um, not being overwhelmed by the monkey mind, so to speak. I see. And um, I I started to find out uh, more about it. I started to find out, you know, how I can um, manage this part of my life better. Interesting. We'll get to a little bit uh, about your personal experience later on. But for the time being, you know, in general, based on what you were saying about the monkey mind, right, it kind of feels like it's this sort of instinctive, uh, protective or defensive, I guess, mechanism or mindset that we have. Um, So what effect does the monkey mind have on us, especially when you mentioned that in the modern environment, a lot of things that could be 
potentially, you know, not necessarily harmful, but it could be taken in a way that is, you know, disruptive or, you know, annoying to us, right? So, so tell me a little bit about that. Sure. So the, the way you described it, uh, protective mechanism, that's perfect. Because this part of our brain, um, it evolved to look out for problems and it evolved to help us um, sense problems. And um, in the modern environment, the, the problem comes when it is so inundated with information that we feel compelled to focus on everything all at once. So as opposed to being able to focus on one thing, let's say I want to achieve a certain goal, right? Um, when the monkey mind is working over time, what we experience is um, a constant nagging that there's always something out there for us to be worried about. So while we try to focus on one thing, um, our attention is actually divided between uh, dozens or who knows, maybe hundreds of things. And we're not really able to choose what we focus on. And uh, the negative effect comes when we usually want to use all this cognitive capacity that we have, right? On crunching problems and planning and reflecting and say, for example, when a situation becomes stressful, but behind the scenes, a lot of energy is wasted uh, because mentally uh, we just feel like we're drawn to a million things uh, all at once. So this ability to stay centered, it can be very exhausting. And um, our experience of life becomes such that everything is urgent, right? Everything needs attention now. Uh, so, so what happens to us is we start to become reactive to the events around us. And so um, our ability to accomplish goals, uh, I guess you can say, uh, is diminished. Because let's say I'm trying to do something difficult and I need to focus on a small number of things, uh, you know, to do that. But my mind is telling me I have to worry about this million other unrelated things. Hmm. And I can't say no. But it doesn't have to be that way, right? Right. So it's kind of like, in a way, it's sort of how anxiety manifests, right? Uh, you know, that feeling of you do have all these things to focus on. But, you know, as a sort of protective measure, your brain is trying to think of all the millions and millions of things that you have to do all at once. And it is technically supposed to be helpful because, you know, it's trying to organize or collect all the information that is around you. But sometimes, you know, it can be very overwhelming, right? For sure. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about how we begin to tame it or to get it uh, under control if we feel that, you know, it's reaching a point where it's no longer helpful to us? Absolutely. So this part of our minds has, uh, it has evolved for millions of years to be really good at uh, what it does, which is looking for problems. So it's really, really good at um, processing the information and finding things that might be problematic. Um, the problem comes when we don't want it to only be searching for problems, right? So what we do is we can teach it to be good at something else and we nurture its ability to naturally remain anchored on one thing. Uh, so how, how normally many of us try and deal with an overactive mind? Uh, let's say I'm in the middle of something and my mind throws a thought at me and I don't really want to entertain it at this point. And how, how normally we try and deal with it is we see it as a hindrance, right? We look at the mind like an enemy and we resist it and we fight it and we say, this is like the worst time, why are you doing this to me? I don't want to think about it. Mm. But when this is happening, we're essentially telling the brain to shut up, right? And we are punishing the mind for doing its job. And this is the only thing that it knows how to do. And this is the only thing that it's evolved to be good at. But what this is, it's like a really useful capability that's gone out of hand. So instead, what we can do is we can learn to work together with it if you hit your thumb with a hammer, you're not just going to throw the hammer away. You're going to learn how to use the hammer better, right? 
<laughs> precisely or you won't cut your thumb away and you know I wish mm-hmm. I didn't have a thumb <laughs> right so tell me a little bit about how uh, we begin to work with the mind when uh, stuff like this happens so short answer is we train the monkey mind on where to focus its attention we gradually uh, train the monkey mind and we tell it we say all the information you're giving me is good right um, but I want to be able to choose which parts of it I'm focusing on So we teach it that not everything is an urgent demand for action. Certain thoughts may come, but they don't demand action. I I can just note that down. So we help it be more stable, so to speak. And we build its capability to sit in a a calm and focused state instead of having it jump around, swinging from branch to branch and and not being in our control. So Mm -hmm. we're actually aware of the nature of the mind to wander and we accept it and we work with it. Mm-hmm. So normally we can do things, uh, we can do this using things like uh, mindful breathing meditation. Mm. And this is the kind we hear the most uh, uh, often about where the goal of the session is to really ground ourselves by focusing on our breathing. Right. On a little bit of a tangent here, but when some people hear the word meditation, right, I think it can conjure up a lot of stereotypical uh, you know, sitting in a cave, <laughs> like uh, imagery. Uh, so I, I just want to um, kind of take a moment to ask you a little bit about dispelling some of the misconceptions about what meditation is or what it could be. Uh, I actually think this is quite interesting because going into meditation myself, I myself had such misconceptions, right? And um, you, you would think like you'd have to be sitting cross-legged and your arms are, are on your legs and you close your eyes and you're humming. and So... I think how we look at meditation now is how people used to look, is very similar to how people used to look at exercise in the 50s and 60s. Hmm. So in the 50s and 60s, right, so maybe like 60 to 70 years ago, when you told someone that you're exercising, so for example, I'm going running after work, right, that will sound weird to people. And they'll ask you, you know, why are you running? What's chasing you? Ha ha ha, right? Hmm. But then people started doing research and uh, signs started to come out that uh, exercise makes you live longer, feel better, and you're healthier, you have more stamina, etc. And gradually, more and more people started doing it. And today, it's weird if you don't do it. Mm. So I think with um, mindfulness and meditation, that's the uh, direction that we're definitely headed in. Um, and there are a lot of misconceptions out there, um, but it's also gradually getting more and more understood. And I think we're on the way to mass acceptance. So, so meditation isn't really something that's religious or it's something that everyone can do Mm. it's just like exercise and i like to think about it like a mental gym so physically i want to keep healthy i uh, you know i exercise my body and mentally i want to keep healthy Uh, meditation is one of the ways where where i can do that it's like a mental gym fantastic all right well it's time to take a short break but after that i will continue speaking to aaron lee solutions partner at leaderonomics all about the monkey mind and how meditation could tame it so do stay tuned to raise your game on bfm 89.9 business finance and more bfm 89.9 Listening to Raise Your Game on BFM 89.9. I'm Christine Wong, and today I'm speaking to Aaron Lee, Solutions Partner and Leaderonomics, all about the monkey mind. So before the break, we talked about what on earth the monkey mind is, which is essentially, you know, a part of our brain that 
tries to disseminate information to us that is supposed to be helpful, but in today's day and age can get a little bit overwhelming. So we talked a little bit about that and why it's helpful and how we can work with it instead of fighting against it. And one of those ways uh, that we talked about as well is meditation. So we t- discussed a little bit about some of the misconceptions and, and you know, trying to essentially dispel this idea that meditation is not necessarily for everyone. Uh, We compared it to, essentially, it's exercise for your brain or your mind. So tell me a little bit, uh, you know, in detail about how meditation can help this monkey mind to be better at new things. So if you think about why we're not able to stay centered in the first place, say, for example, you're in a stressful situation and you know you should be focusing on one thing and suddenly a lot of thoughts occur to you and the gravity of these thoughts are very strong. And when I say gravity, I mean they're very compelling. When they occur to you, you just have to engage with them. You feel compelled to engage with them, do something about these thoughts. So I, I like to think that the reason this happens is because our ability to focus is not as strong as it could be. And so we'll notice our attention being drawn away to all kinds of things. And a meditation session is a little simulation of what happens in real life, right? So we'll try and focus on something depending on what type of meditation you're doing. And it could be the breath, or it could be a mantra, or it could be a visualization or or something else. But we'll try and focus on this one thing. And the monkey mind will do what it's designed to do. It'll wander, and it'll jump from branch to branch, and it'll look for something to occupy itself with, and it'll look for something to engage with. But what happens during meditation is we, we make ourselves aware of the fact that this is happening, and then we gently bring the attention back. So over the course of the practice, right? We do this over and over and over again and hundreds and maybe even thousands of times. But every time this happens, we're strengthening um, the ability to focus on one point. Hmm. So normally it can be very hard to resist the gravity of these thoughts. But when we have a strong muscle, um, doing so will be so natural that uh, we almost don't have to think about it. So we've almost reprogrammed ourselves or retrained ourselves uh, to be in a new natural state, so to speak, which is more calm and uh, which is more wise. Hmm. So at the end of this whole process, right, you still have that part of your mind, and, and that's an excellently functioning monkey mind that helps us look out for danger, right? Or we know that it might be overreacting. Um, then we can say something like, thanks, monkey mind, noted, and this is very helpful, but I want to focus elsewhere, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we do that. Mm, interesting. So essentially, you know, instead of uh, pushing against this natural instinct to acknowledge all these thoughts and acknowledge the fact that the monkey mind will jump from, I guess, point to point. You sort of have to acknowledge that it's happening. I think that's really important to acknowledge that it's happening first and then move on to saying, all right, out of all the things that you are jumping to and from, let's bring it in and focus on one thing. Absolutely. Right. So tell me a little bit about, you know, how this actually benefits us in the long run as well. There's been tons of research in recent years that talk about the benefits of uh, practices like mindful meditation, right? And uh, we get improved concentration. We improve our ability to tune out noise. We get more mental clarity. And we get more access to cognitive abilities when they're not obscured by emotional noise, so to speak. And, um, you know, we're we're just in that state that allows us to uh, do things like reflect and plan calmly and problem solve as opposed to being mainly reactive to the environment. We're also more resilient when it comes to facing situations. And I think this is mainly because we feel more in control of our emotions and our, and our, um, our thoughts. So this leads to stuff like reduced anxiety levels. You know, we feel better, we have better relationships, we are more productive, 
and um, overall our work experience has improved. When you say mindful meditation specifically, right, what exactly does that mean? How do you start to even begin to bring this in? I mean, we've talked about it kind of conceptually, right? But right now, sitting here, I can't really imagine what that's like or what it could do to begin even acknowledging that jumping or having that focus or anything like that. So I guess, what are some starter steps or some beginner-friendly concepts uh, for someone who is struggling with their monkey mind to uh, try to start reining it in? Absolutely. So there are a lot of beginner-friendly resources and guides that are out there that, um, you know, so we'll all find a wealth of information on how uh, I personally started with guided meditations. Mm-hmm. And what this is, is uh, essentially someone will, will guide you through the entire session. Uh, what you do is you make yourself available and comfortable and you block out your calendar for, say, you know, five or 10 or 30 minutes. And uh, you make a commitment to yourself that this is what I'm going to be doing. And then you follow the, um, the steps. So this, part, this person might tell you, you know, first relax your body and sense what you're feeling around you and um, focus on the sensations around your breath. Uh, focus on your chest when you're breathing in. Your chest is moving out and when you're breathing out. So guided meditations are, are definitely a great place to start. Hmm. Uh, but but at the same time, I think there are also other alternatives like workshops and um, you know maybe sessions where we get more attention. Um, so so there are definitely a lot of resources out there on on where to start. Going back to your original analogy, it's just like going to a gym class, right? You don't know how to use any of the equipment yet. You don't know how to move your body in a certain way yet. And then you take a gym class, and someone will kind of guide you through, telling you what to do to exercise that muscle, right? Exactly. I think this so this gym uh, analogy, um, you know, I think is really apt because meditation is exactly like going to the gym. Right? So we face situations in our lives where we think uh, maybe I wish I had stronger mental muscles to deal with this, so I, I don't feel so vulnerable. And um, it, it's it's exactly like going to the gym to strengthen a muscle and become better and better at it. Because mm-hmm. when we begin, we're not very good at it, and and it'll we won't seem very strong and we won't feel very strong. But the more we practice uh, these skills, the more these muscles are strengthened and the easier and more natural it becomes. Right. And of course, all of this, you know, is coming from a personal place for you as well, right? Because you mentioned before the break that your interest in the monkey mind and learning how to work with it uh, came from something that you experienced yourself. Absolutely. Growing up, I guess, I, I struggled a little bit with this because I wasn't exposed to all this knowledge that we just talked about. And if, if, I, if I ever found myself like anxious or overthinking and I told someone common advice that I would receive, and I think many other people receive the same advice, right? Is, uh, you know, oh, you're anxious. Just, just don't be anxious. Well, you know, you're mm. overthinking. Just don't, don't overthink it. Well. And at that time, that, uh, you know, that's never, that advice has never worked in the history of mankind. <laughs> and uh, it, yeah, we'll just go like, oh, geez, thanks so much. I never thought of that. Mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. But um, so I entered my work life in my 20s and at that point responsibilities and pressure really started piling up. And I started to become reactive to things, right? And I started to live in my in my head a lot, so to speak. And I was always looking for this next thing that I had to worry about. And um, so at, at that point, it was common knowledge that rumination, too much rumination and also obsessing over anxious thoughts are bad. But what do you do when you're in a situation where those thoughts are occurring to you, but you have no strategy to, to deal with them. So 
I guess I was um, I had to engage with those thoughts and and I had had to follow those uh, trains of thought. But um, so I was caught in that cycle for a very long time, which is basically I see something or hear something or think about something, and I worry about it. Hmm. And then I find myself worrying, and I worry about, and I worry about that, and then I worry about that worry, and um, I finally reached this super low point in my life where where I had absolutely enough of not being in control of this part of my life. And I remember very clearly asking myself, you know, why am I so stuck in my head? Hmm. And why am I constantly thinking these thoughts when they're obviously uh, affecting me so negatively? Right. And um, I realized later on that the capability I didn't have was the ability to focus on the present and, and also hold that focus. So the monkey in this case, the monkey mind was telling me about all the things I should be worrying about, this and this and this and this. And, and I had no real way of filtering out all this information. Right. And that was one of the biggest aha moments for me. And that was when I really started to deep dive into the why and the how of the subject and really geek out about it. Right. I think there's always room for improvement and there's always uh, more to be learned about how to work with your mind and how to continue to improve these skills. You know, like, for example, you know, going to the gym, it doesn't make you strong forever. You have to keep going and keep practicing and keep learning how to improve and keep pushing yourself. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, discipline will be very important. And it's just like uh, going to the gym where you, you go to a gym a few times and you feel yourself getting stronger. But let's say you feel satisfied with the results and you stop going. And those effects would gradually decrease over time. So discipline is going to be very important. Mm, don't I know it. That's actually about it for today's conversation. But thank you so much to Aaron Lee, Solutions Partner at Leaderonomics, for speaking to me today all about the monkey mind. Thanks very much for having me, Christine. Yeah, it was great. You've been listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM. If you've missed any of today's conversation, you can download our app that's available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. You can also head over to our website, bfm.my, to listen back to our podcasts. This is Raise Your Game on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.